0: Hello, and welcome to Supply Chain Next. I'm your host, Richard Donaldson. Join me as we explore the ongoing evolution of supply chain, from the challenges practitioners face every day to the ongoing digital transformation of the entire value network. All right, welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next. I have my friend and colleague here, uh, Ben Bellamy, and super excited to have him on today.
1: What's going on, Ben? Not a whole lot. Just happy to be here with you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and like all these things, man, it's like, uh, especially in this one here. I mean, you and I have known each other now, uh, talk very frequently. So this is going to be uh, just, just like another conversation. But uh, I do want to kick it right off uh, and, and get to the to the meat of what's going on with you and the Visibility Council and how you got here. Um, Would love to hear a little bit of your background. Uh, you know, tell us your story. Tell, tell us how you got into supply chain via World Fifteen, launched Visibility Council.
1: I think, like most people, I, I've uh, had a bit of a circuitous. Journey through my career. Uh, I have been in some flavor of professional services, primarily in consulting my entire career. Uh, eventually, I landed at a place called World Fifty. Uh, so after about 15, 16 years of consulting, uh, I started with World Fifty, which does executive man, uh, excuse me, executive networking. Uh, World Fifty does just this amazing job of bringing together. Uh, Fortune 500 C-suite executives uh, in very candid environments, uh, off-the-record conversations, very stimulating conversations, and uh, I kind of fell in love with this idea of um, you know the power of the community and what what we could do. And so uh, the Visibility Council is a bit of an expression of of that mixed with the transformation that you try to to uh, to stimulate as a as a consultant.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: so and,
0: and good, good snapshot. Let me, let me actually ask you to expand a little bit because, you know, interesting profile, you, you know, you dabbled with a little bit of, and I know some of these things, but you dabbled a little bit in the pro soccer world. And then that gave way to, when you say 15 years of consulting, that's not a trivial amount of time in consulting, right? And was that sort of a, you know, McKinsey, Accenture type experience? And then how did that parlay into World 50? Because that's a, that's a pretty big jump. You know, and then at World 50, you weren't doing just supply chain. You actually had your hands in a couple different things, which then led you to launch the Visibility Council and something supply chain focused.
1: Yeah, kind of starting where you finished. uh, At World 50, I wasn't involved at all with supply chain. Uh, I worked a little bit with uh, Bill Marin, my colleague who worked specifically with supply chain officers, but I actually worked with chief strategy officers and uh, I was... was, uh, really focused on, you know, things like strategy planning in these really super uncertain environments, you know, how do you do a five-year plan when you don't know necessarily what's going to happen next year? And so, uh, I'll get a bit to that journey, but, but going back, um, Man, you went way back with the soccer. thing. Hey, of course, that man. Like 20, I was, that's an interesting ago.
0: tidbit. I mean, how many people know? You know,
1: hey, pro soccer player turned. You know,
0: visibility council founder. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know that. that was, you, gotta, uh,
0: you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, t- you gotta connect those dots because that's sure, not, that's not I, the norm.
1: So the soccer thing. I was a teenager at the time. I was nineteen. I took a break from college and played a, a bit of professional soccer in Vienna, Austria, and uh, had an amazing time. And realized after a couple seasons that. I was probably going to be better suited using my brain and not my body. I was always hurt. Uh, it was kind of the story of my my childhood, uh, and so uh, you know, starting when I was uh, you know twenty two, I basically wrote off all athletic endeavors, and 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 uh, at the same time had you know this entrepreneurial spirit that I wanted to go out and do things on my own. And so I I actually started. Uh, I didn't even realize that it was consulting at the time, but I started doing. Uh, land developments really more from an entitlement perspective for really big real estate investment trusts. And I was helping them to reposition some of their you know, older office properties, for example. And you know, how do you take this kind of stodgy office complex that was built in the 60s and turn it into something that's mixed use where you take the surface parking, combine it all into a you know one deck and then have uh, more of a grid system and, and live work play type stuff. Uh, I I did that up until the recession, uh, of, of 2008, which, you know, Mm -hmm. shook a lot of people out of the real estate market. But, uh, at that point got into more traditional management consulting and was working, uh, primarily, uh, on kind of business unit strategy and, and functional level strategy, uh, with a company called North Highland. And, uh, did that up until World 50. It was actually one of my colleagues from North Highland went over to World 50, uh, started working with CIOs, and at some point reached out and said, Hey, we're looking for somebody who is, you know, has got this uh ability to facilitate, you know, to be a good moderator and and who understands strategy and who can really fit in with the world of, of corporate strategy. So uh I went to to speak with a few of the folks at World 50, fell in love with what they did, you know, learned a lot more about what they did and and uh, had a great few years at World Fifty. So uh it's been a, and, and an let's interesting let's run.
0: double let's double click on that one because you know since you uh, left and even Bill Marin, who was our first podcast guest and and still gets a lot of airtime on that show. That we get a lot of
1: airtime on that show. People pick Bill up. Bill bragged all the time. about that, by the way. When I told yeah, him I he's still our number honest, one show. Uh, trivia question: who, yeah. who was the first one to be on on Richard's podcast?
0: That's right. And he was he literally. It is still our number one episode. Uh, hmm. Even with all the people we've had, we're we. I think this is our thirtieth or thirty first episode. Uh, you know, eighteen months into it, he is still the number one episode. Uh, continues to have playtime like every month. He gets he gets it out there. So
1: the Majesty so, of Bill Marin.
0: Right, right. But now now what I also think here is because a lot of people who are listening um, aren't going to be familiar with World 50 and World 50 also recently was acquired. But that had an interesting model. And I, that's where you and I met and I met Bill when I was a part of the supply chain group. But I think people would love to hear a little bit about it because it's not traditional. I mean, when you say networking, I don't think people really understand to the extent that this networking was happened, nor the quality of the networking that was happening.
1: Yeah, no, and it, and it's really hard to convey that without seeing it. Uh, I was told all these things as I was interviewing at World 50, and and then my mind was blown when I actually showed up to an event. Uh, the idea here is is really, as I said before, creating a candid environment and and creating these amazing conversations. But the prompts for these conversations were a lot of times bringing, uh, for example, Clay Christensen in with a group of, of of strategists and talking through the Innovators Dilemma and talking through some of his studies. But but not just strategists. Let me jump in on that one, because I think it's key here, these are chief
0: strategy officers, or chief supply chain officers, or that's chief right. marketing officers, and these are from the Fortune 100 or Fortune 1000 style companies. So it's I mean it's these are not trivial people.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And and you know the way I describe it to a lot of people who have never heard of World 50 or who who don't know the industry, by the time you become this level, uh, you become almost a bit of a celebrity and you lose your ability to have candid conversations or to ask questions that might be a dumb question. Uh, right. you know, if you say the wrong thing and you are the chief strategy officer for Verizon, right. it's probably going to end up somewhere in the Wall Street Journal uh, or right. the Financial Times. And so, at, a typical
0: con- at a typical conference where they're on stage, or they're walking around meeting with people. It's like they, yes. don't ha- they have to be very on guard or uh, in check with their personas in you know, those events. Exactly. And World 50 provided a very safe space to be with peers and have very open con- conversations that weren't recorded, that weren't being written down. And, and then even bringing in, like you're saying, guests like Chris, you know, Clay Christensen or – I mean, the, 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 the people who came and spoke and, 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 and you know, authors and books and, pers- and TV personalities, I mean, I was also – that was also something that blew me away about what, not just the people who were showing up that participated, but then the quality of the people that came as guests was unbelievable too.
1: Absolutely, every last detail was was uh, you know not only paid attention to but was completely ironed out. So part of the beauty of of what we did uh, in creating this candid environment wasn't just about uh, the trends within your discipline or within your industry. It was also about being a person. It was about uh, being a a mother and being a C suite officer or a father or a or husband or a wife. It was about your career. It was about you know there were plenty of times that we. Add members who who you know finally got to the pinnacle of their career as a chief, you name it, officer, and then realized they didn't necessarily like it, uh, and, and that the next step for them was either going to be CEO or nothing. And so you know there was a lot of kind of this introspection and, and really getting to know uh, you know reassessing uh, career aspirations, mm-hmm. and then of course there were a lot of the the more kind of in the swim lane of a chief strategy officer or chief supply chain officer dealing with you know what is this trend coming down the pike and how should i be thinking about this how are other people thinking about this how do we speed up our reaction to competitive threats or how do we do scenario planning instead of doing 10 year strategy plans that get thrown out you know 2 years down the down the line when something brand new happens that completely disrupts our industry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it and so, was fascinating conversations, but very broad as well.
0: Right, because it spanned industries. It wasn't you know in one particular vertical. It was across a bunch of verticals. I mean, I know my experience over a few years there uh, in this in the supply chain group. Um, you know, it was. Everybody from consultants like Accenture through practitioners like uh, even, even, or the logistics side, UPS, FedEx, I mean, the the chief, you know, uh, uh, heads of these groups, right? Uh, You know, and all the way to Johnson Johnson and, you know, everybody else kind of in between. And, you know, when you had 30 or 40 of like chief supply chain opsters spanning, you know, from Ralph Lauren to UPS to, you know, eBay in my case, um, you know, you had some really interesting dynamic conversations that transcended the verticals, right, really started getting at the heart of what are we doing in this function, right? Um, so super, super awesome there. So now let, let's talk a little bit about like what, what you, you were working in strategy. You, you were you were obviously aware of what was going on in the supply chain world. But then, you know, as you left World 50, you had this idea to start the Visibility Council, Chi Studios, like, and then focus on supply chain. Of all, th- I mean, you had exposure to every industry. You had exposure to chief strategy officers. Yet, out of all of that, and what drove you to then, you know, develop uh, the Visibility Council and Chief Studios, and specifically in, in the area of supply chain, you know, for now.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question, and and the answer that I would give is that as I was working with the strategists, uh, the chief strategy officers, I should say, uh, at World 50, I recognized that there were certain. Certain transformations that were happening, whether those were across entire industries. So look at the way you know, energy is about to go through a significant, I shouldn't say, it's in the process of going through a significant transformation. Uh, you know, supply chain is, is you know, as, a, as a discipline, it's about to go through this major transformation. Um, but within all these transformations, there is this idea that the ecosystem, the entire system has to change. Um, You know, I go back to the more kind of academic, uh, you know, strategy of of MBA and and learning about Ashby's law, which basically is all about evolution and the speed of evolution. And the whole idea is that if you transform faster than the system that you're part of, you effectively have extincted yourself. You you have disconnected yourself from the system. In the same way that if you transform slower than your system, then you will also disconnect yourself and extinct yourself. And so I started just becoming more and more aware of systems that were either on the cusp of or in the midst of major transformations. And I saw the opportunity to pull the system or at least a, a micro system together to orchestrate change. Uh, which, you know, I think if you look at what we've built with the Visibility Council. This isn't just chief supply chain officers that we're bringing together it's it's this system we're bringing together chief supply chain officers which make up about 70% of the community uh, but we are also bringing the technologists and the innovators we're bringing investors uh, we're bringing in uh, thought leaders from industry and academia and where necessary we're bringing in regulators and so and, and then of course you know it's all about creating and maintaining an environment where it's a non-solicitation. It's you know it's a, it's a safe place where everybody who's in it is in it for the the betterment, for the gain of of supply chain, not necessarily mm-hmm. so that they can sell their wares to a captive audience. And that's a right. really, really important ingredient in what we're doing.
0: And you founded this, if I remember correctly, so if I go back in the clock here, you formed Chi Studios and Visibility Council up
1: I want to say 2018-ish timeframe, 2019, is that right? Yes, that's correct. At the very end of 2018.
0: Okay, okay. So, you know, you had this theory or, or supposition, right, that supply chain was kind of the system that was sort of the new, new thing coming up, right? And that lines up with this whole decade of supply chain and all the things that we're seeing. So now let me ask a question. Retrospectively, looking back three years and what you've built, and I want to get to what you've built, but looking back on those three years, what was what? What have you learned about supply chain that may you know may have been different than your assumption or validated your assumption? I mean, I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion what the answers may be here, but uh, you know, what 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 is different now three years later after you've got this thing up and going?
1: Well, you know, when COVID struck, I think uh, the vulnerabilities of our uh, long-tailed. Human-powered analog supply chains became very apparent to all of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I, I think some of the bigger themes, you know, COVID aside, uh, is that one, it completely validated our thesis that the, the process can be sped, the process of evolution, of transformation can be sped up through coordination. Um, if you look at even the biggest and most powerful supply chain organizations in the world, what they can directly control is a really small, small fraction of the actual supply chain itself. And yet they are vulnerable to what happens in, in the rest of it. You know, if, if you're only controlling, if you're only touching the product for five percent of the the you know, the the overall time of product and, and component, um then, then there's ninety five percent of the time that, that this thing is out of your hands and, and you're vulnerable to any shortages in the supply chain upstream of you you're vulnerable to uh, any environmental or, or social uh, bad practices that are, are upstream of you in the supply chain uh, that that's a, a rough position to be in uh, and and I think that was you know both uh, validated and and maybe even you know the the multiplier on that. It it became such a a front and center thing for us. Uh, And then the second thing is just this idea of, you know, however you want to say it, changing the tires on a moving car or building the airplane while you're flying it. Um, Man, supply chain people have really, really challenging jobs where every day from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And then sometimes in the middle of the night when they're at home thinking they're done, they're solving problems. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of, um, you know, however you want to call it, ambidexterity in the organization of being able to run the business and being able to innovate for the future, it is particularly challenging when running the business as is as demanding yep. uh, as supply chain, and when it is as um, when 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 if you mess up, it's a really really big deal. Right, the 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 risk aversion of supply chain professionals is off the charts, and it is for a real, real good reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got you've highlighted a couple of things as far as the you know, supply chain complexity, um, just the general problems that people are having. How about the participation too I mean that's another thing that that I, I wouldn't gloss over when I look at what you've been able to attract in I don't know how about what the full membership is now but I got guess it's in the 60 70 80 range or something like that and across these different disciplines like I said chief supply chain officers investors even even press media innovators even some media types potentially at some point um, I look at the roster and these are not trivial people Um so, to what do you kind of credit the? Well, I mean, there's you in building the visibility council. That, that that's certainly the, the major credit. But beside, you know, beyond that, what what do you feel like kind of binds these people to want to get together and do this? Right, because there's something driving them. You know, these are these are people who you know, seconds in their lives are precious, right? They're all have schedules that are insane, right? We all have insane schedules. These people are at the epitome of those insane schedules. So for them to choose to want to spend, you know, an hour a month or two hours a month or whatever here, you know, says a lot about what you're doing as well as the needs they have for what they're looking for. Can, have you thought about what, what that is, what that commonality is, what's driven them to you Why this is happening now? Because maybe it wouldn't happen 10 years ago or 10 years from now.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I think the the first thing is that there is an awareness of this transformation, and and there is a general feeling across the board that we're behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not only that we're behind, but also how do we catch up? Especially when there's a a shortage in the you know across the world, everything from semiconductors to ketchup packets to you name it, there there are shortages. There's the Suez Canal. There's the you know port. Stuff going on. There's, there's so much that that is, uh, so much need for improvements for is resilience and, and adaptability. And and so number one, I think it's just the fact that that those who are running these really major supply chains are now well aware that they can't continue running it the way that they've been run in the past. Uh, number two is that there really isn't anything. I, that's doing what we're doing, and, and I think the the there may be some that are trying to do similar things, but I think our purity of mission, the fact that we are a very unbiased and neutral place for them to come together to to do this together, is is really the, the our biggest uh, selling point, and and. And and it's a really important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. There there are plenty of user groups that if you look at pretty much any technology provider, that they all pretty much have a user group. But there's some some degree of of skepticism or of, of subjectivity that you know this is just so and so trying to sell their thing, mm-hmm. and that's just not what the mission of our organization is about. We we are truly in it for you know to to to, to accelerate the development and adoption of new uh, next generation supply chain practices and technologies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so you know, kind of building
0: off of that then, and again, you know, this, it's only been a couple of years, but you've had, you know, a, 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 I don't want to say New York, but I mean, again, you know, haven't had a challenge attracting talented people. You've got representation across the Quite frankly, the Fortune 500. Uh, you know, I, I, if I look at the roster, and I'm just guessing here, at least 60 percent of them are Fortune 500 chief supply chain officers. I mean, these are these are pretty big companies, big positions. You know, big big people, big personalities. But they all get along super well, which is a credit to you guys in pulling them together. What over the last couple of years, though, have you seen as a, as kind of a you know when you first started in 2019? versus 2020 versus now, like what, what has, how has the conversation evolved over those three years? Right. Where did it start to, I'm sure at first it was just like, what are we doing? Like anything. And then it sort of probably through, through, you know, it's natural conversation, the way you do it, you know, people started to get into a track and there was some, you know, it probably took a year or so I would guess I'm asking to kind of get on the right track. But now you kind of, it seems like you've got into a, a pretty good rhythm And people are kind of looking forward, like, yeah, we're all in agreement. This is what we want to focus on. So kind of walk us through that progression with the group over the last three years.
1: Yeah, that that is, uh, to get started, it was really just a matter of getting traction. And we spent a little over a year just figuring out what your starting point is. When I described what we were trying to do back in 2018 and 2019... People said, I I don't get it. Are you an innovation office or are you like an alternative way of doing consulting? Are you, are you running like a learning and development program for people? Are you running an executive network? And, and, and it seemed that, you know, my answer is yes, we're we're doing all of this, right? These are all in alignment. And if you do all of these in alignment and do them all well, then, then you're just going to have this amazing, uh, you know, for, for for Jim Collins fans out there, amazing flywheel, right? Where you just it just continues, and and all of these things build upon one another. But in order to start something like this, you really have to figure out what that first thing is. And and so it took us a while to figure out what that first thing was. And and we enlisted the help of those that are now you know our advisors, our formal advisors. So it was thought leaders from the world of supply chain, folks who are, were either you know recent uh, retirees from from big supply chain organizations or you know people like Hal lee at stanford uh, and we just you know kept asking what what is it that what is it that we can do now mm-hmm. and and we've we've used this this idea of co-creation from the very beginning that that i am not and and my team is not going to to just sit in some dark room and scheme up what we're going to do as a visibility council we're going to talk about things with our members. We're going to take their thoughts and their insights and their needs and, and we're going to take them, massage them into something that's presentable, present it back to them, get their feedback on it and just continue going back and forth and back and forth. The Visibility Council in, in June of 2020 really became the Visibility Council. And this was about after about a year of, maybe a year and a half even of of trying to find that traction. We, by the way, the number of, of times that we got these little consulting gigs that were, you know, it was, they just wanted us to come be normal, traditional consultants for us. And to keep the lights on, we took a few of these types of projects. But um, eventually in, in 2020, we built this, uh, you know, our first meeting had nine chief supply chain officers in it. And and the the question was, how do you guys define visibility in the supply chain? And what is that going to bring you? And how can I help by bringing others into this conversation? And, and then what can we do? And then over month after month after month, it, it evolved. And they started bringing their folks in. They started bringing their peers. Uh, and, and next thing you know, we're, we are you know of significant size. We're, we're not, uh, nor do we ever want to be a conference or an association. Right. right. Uh, but we do want to be big enough to have some, some power and some leverage and to be able to do things together. Uh, and that has been um, really this this kind of first phase has been getting the right people on board, building those relationships, the trust and the candor and, and the ability to come in and, and talk about your vulnerabilities, talk about mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that have not gone well. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, another thing about this is is we are very lucky because the personality of supply chain folks is... It tends to be really modest and humble, and there, there doesn't seem to be the bravado that there is in a lot of other supply, or excuse me, of other C-suite functions. And so, I actually I find it almost harder to get people to brag about the things that they've done right. than I do, you know, to, to to talk about some of the challenges that they've faced or some of the missteps that they've made. So that was really phase phase two was getting that trust, the candor, and, and the the community built. And we're about to enter into phase three. We actually just announced in a meeting yesterday some of the work that we're, we're going to launch in July, which is really about uh, engaging with uh, the, the high potentials from mm-hmm. our member organizations who can actually be working with us on building things. And so the idea here is that our executive council, the, the, you know, what we've built so far, We'll determine strategic direction. We'll ask big critical questions that uh, will in turn be answered by the studio level, which is the high potentials. We'll be managing these folks through sprints, you know, two, three, four-month sprints to answer these big questions, defining new technologies and what it's going to take to implement the technologies, expected challenges, timeline to viability, uh, vetting and testing, you name it. So uh, really, really excited to be entering this next phase of actual doing things. Right, but I think,
0: and 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 to come back to that, a uh, couple things jumped out at me as you were talking that through. So, you know, visibility, and Anna, I haven't even connected this. Uh, you know, connects to transparency, which you know are they're synonymous with each other, which happens to be one of the driving forces in supply chains, right? Like if, if you step back and think about the conversations that supply chain people are having, visibility or transparency is, is often, if not number one, almost all the time. And then, you know, you can, we can argue about it, uh, but I, I think resiliency is obviously right up there. And then, of course, sustainability is right up there. And these are all things that I've also seen, heard, and watched as it's kind of gone through the Progression at the visibility council, which now I'm even—I I hadn't even thought of that. But it's like it's synonymous with transparency. Well, okay, that's that's one of the biggest drivers because transparency—you know, you shine a light on something, and you know you see things for what they are—the good and the bad—and you can address them and fix them, and you know, find the inefficiencies or whatever. So, uh, so transparency, visibility, you know, uh, resiliency, obviously for, for obvious reasons, and then of course sustainability what else is sort of at that top level that you think is sort of you know within these people because you, you, you have such an incredible opportunity to interact with this you know core constituency your sample group your your cohort literally tells you what's going on in the supply chain world I mean their consent their consensus is what the supply chain world is thinking about because these are the fortune 500 fortune 1000 leaders talking about these things and if they're all talking about the same thing this is what the global supply chain is doing right so what what are, you know beyond that? Maybe those are the only three things. Maybe there's more. I don't know. What are sort of the no? Th- things that there's you're
1: definitely hearing? more, and and I'll actually yeah. I think it's really interesting. You know, pe- to me, they're in sequence, right? When you yeah. talk about uh, resilience, uh, when you talk about uh, sustainability, whether that's environmental or social, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would add uh, adaptability or agility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know supply chain wouldn't be supply chain if we didn't talk about efficiency and cost. Yep, Right. Cause that, that's, you know, keeping the lights on is, is also pretty important. All of those things will be driven by visibility. When we right. have visibility in our supply chains, we will have higher degrees of resilience. We will recognize when we're at risk before we're at risk. Right. I, I, I keep hearing stories of, you know, the Fukushima meltdown. And then there was the tsunami that happened right after that. And, um, you know, Bill Hurls from General Motors or Tim Harden from at and telling stories about we didn't know how much we were at risk, right? These were our tier twos and threes and fours. We, we had to trace down our critical components to figure out how at risk are we. Mm-hmm. Um, visibility upstream, they would know they're at risk. And you know what? They might have, have mitigated that risk by, by having Sourcing strategies that didn't go all directly to this one area of the world. Right. So, so I think all of those things that you just named. When you talk about resilience, when you talk about sustainability, again, adding into there uh, agility and adaptability, um, and then of course speed, efficiency, and cost. When you have the fundamental capability of visibility or transparency throughout your supply chain, you can get all these other things.
0: Right, right, right. I, 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 absolutely. So now picking up on that thread a little bit and kind of as people focus on the transparency, digitization, technology, whatever to kind of bring that transparency to bear, that kind of bring us up a little bit to where we are today because you know, now that now that you've got a a, a bit of a, a rhythm to this, right? And and I and I don't wanna be off on the numbers here, but I, I think you're close to 60, 70, 80 people, right, that, that are in the visibility council.
1: So we, we, uh, I I think you're probably, uh, close. If you talk about participants, uh, membership is more in the, in the 40 range, but we, we tend to have guests come in depending on the topic that we're talking about. Right. so we do have a bit of a, you know, a a bigger, uh, roster if you count those folks.
0: Right. And, and, I'm going to tie back to also what you're talking about before we got into the sort of goals of supply chain people, um, you know, because you were talking about the high potentials. And and I want to, again, double click on that because the, as you were talking about it, I knew there needed to be a little bit of explanation. You're, you, what you're really talking about is my words here is these chief supply chain officers they have their high potential, uh, you know, seconds, lieutenants or whatever, right? You know, kind of the people that they're training to become the next chief supply chain officer, right? So that's the high potentials you're referring to. And your vision here, which is coming to life, is the chief supply chain officers as the executive committee and say, okay, here's the problem we want to solve, right? How do we get transparency through digitization? How do we achieve efficiency or forecasting through you know, model X, Y, and Z? How do we provide resiliency? I mean, whatever question that one's posed, then they hand it off to a studio, which is comprised of these you know, VPs or senior directors, you know, but, but you know, who are the number twos or number threes kind of in the organization, because they're going to do the work anyways. I mean, you're, you're modeling kind of how it would happen in the organization anyways. You know, the senior person kind of came up with the idea. Whatever needs to happen, the next person down, or next person down, you know, is actually executing on that and dealing with it. Um, you know, and and you know, you're just at the formative stages of this. But again, that just the questions that they focus on is going to be indicative of what the real supply chain world needs to solve for. So. Do you have any thoughts as of now on where that is today? Because even even following that narrative is going to be so instructive for the supply chain world. Like this is what the global supply chain is thinking about, right? So what what are sort of the early ruminations around what they want to focus on initially?
1: Yeah, so I would say not to be cliche, but people, processing technology. You, you can't yep. you can't change one without changing the others or without affecting the others. And so we're touching on all of the you know, people, processing and technology. Uh, a lot of times you can, you can uh, focus on people while focusing on process and technology. So that's, you know, I think one of the big pieces of, of the puzzle here for us is we can really focus on uh, cross-enterprise collaboration, on, on leading uh, among your supply partners, not just within your organization, which is such an incredible, and I can't, I can't overstate how incredibly hard that is. Mm-hmm. is to try to change the the behaviors and the the openness and the attitudes of your supply partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the process is, you know, we have to figure out ways of working with our supply partners better. Mm-hmm. So when you when you ask that question, you know, there are a few things that that I would say are are kind of critical foundational projects. Um, number one is for adaptability, we talk a lot about a, for lack of better words, plug and play system architecture for supply chain. You know f- forever now, um you know we've had these systems of record that have to be massively customized to do the things that we want them to do by the time we get the customizations completed, you're tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars deep in many many years you're you're already behind what you need now so it's always it feels like supply chain has always been from a system perspective playing catch up uh, and now we're trying to go ahead, right so we need to figure out what is the system architecture, this multi-layered, maybe API-driven system that allows for interoperability, whether it's your warehouse management system, your transportation systems, or your logistics systems, or whatever they are, where you can see uh, product-level visibility as it goes end-to-end through the supply chain. So what is that system architecture? Who are the players in here? What kind of project is it going to be? What kind of Duration, you know, how long is this going to take? Are these things ready today? What kind of cost should we expect to to pay toward these things? And what do we need to be doing today to make Mm -hmm. sure that we don't fall further behind in this next step and the step after that?
0: And so, and so now when you think about that, and there's so much in there that's going to involve technology and technology adoption, right? Um, And it's not like again, technology is not the magic silver bullet to everything, but clearly it has an impact, right? It helps. Uh, right. I mean, let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. Uh, but again, there's still a big question mark because like you said, most supply chain organizations, number one, have never really had their own systems. They've, they've always had to use pieces of other systems, whether it's SAP or Oracle, or you know I got to kind of... Co opt a piece of the financial system, or I got to co opt a piece of, of the operational ticketing system or support system. You know, there's never been true supply chain solutions, but that's changing, right? Um, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of startups, a lot of investment. Again, you talk about investors in the Visibility Council. I mean, you see it firsthand, we see it firsthand, VCs, private equity. So there's an enormous amount of innovation coming or in the midst of uh, being developed. But enterprises are also still, and supply chains in particular, aren't. Often really good at taking advantage of technology and innovation, right? So, how are they beginning to? I mean, that's another thing. I know it's kind of in the middle of this, but how do you see that in the visibility council conversations kind of coming out, right? Because it's almost like a new muscle they have to develop, a new skill that has to be developed. You know, A, you got to be open-minded to it, but then B, you have to have an organization that's willing to go on that journey. And it's gonna be painful. Let's be honest. It's it's you're gonna you're gonna have to do some root canals and some things, and it's not gonna be fun
1: you're absolutely right and the way I see this it's almost like uh, we have uh, we've been operating in these legacy structures and retrofitting a legacy structure is always going to be more complicated more costly and more time consuming than building a new one it's that way in construction it's that way yep. in business and it always yep. will be that way yep. you have Amazon that comes along in the mid 90s late 90s who Basically, just kind of rethought the world of 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 business and of supply chain. They they built their supply chain and then built a business around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of building a business and having a, a supply chain that was an enabling function within the business, it's a great point, right? So their value chain, their supply chain was their value chain, and vice yep. versa. A value yep. chain is a supply chain. One of the things we talk about all the time in the Visibility Council is. How do we stop being just a supply chain? How do we stop being just in service of a sales organization that tells us how many widgets to get to where they need to go? How do we actually become a function that links between the customer and product development and engineering? Right? How do we become more precise with ma- with meeting our customer demands? Um, and so, th- this is something that that you know the the these folks are going to have to do it because it's becoming existential. The threat is becoming existential. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon is eating everybody's lunch right now. It doesn't matter whether you're a retailer or you're a supplier or... Amazon is doing it and they're doing it better than it's ever been done. They, they mm-hmm. are setting customer expectations for everyone else. You know, if, if you can order something and have it at your doorstep before the sun goes down today... That's, that's really hard for an individual retailer to compete with or for an individual yeah. consumer packaged goods company to compete with. And so no. this is becoming the expectation of the consumer. Mm-hmm. This isn't a marketing problem. This isn't a sales problem. This is a value chain, supply chain problem that we have to solve. And, and so the platform is burning. It, it's not. It's not we're looking for a burning platform. It's burning. And now it's how fast can we change and reusing the, the analogy that we continue using, we're, we're rebuilding the airplane as we're flying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you threw a term in there that I want to kind of pick up on because it's one that's near and near our hearts as well, too, which is value chain versus supply chain. They're not exactly the same, but it's, again, anytime you're sort of introducing new terminology, especially to a very uh, entrenched universe, you know, if you introduce new terms, oftentimes people just don't get it or they just tune out or, like, what the hell is a value chain, right? So but, but because you said it, I, you know, there's there's a reason for this, right? The, the supply chains are evolving, right? They are becoming more. And I think you nailed a number of pieces in there. They're becoming more holistic about the business. They're seeing end-to-end from not just customer, but they're going all the way back to the raw materials themselves and looking at the path that those raw materials take through manufacturing then comes to them to then get tuned into product, which then ends up with a customer that oftentimes might get returned and put back into the supply chain. I mean, you know, they're watching that asset or that thing as it, as it moves through the globe until it gets recycled, you know, in theory, or it should be. Right. So there's a lot of value along the way, you know, and this thing is no longer linear. It's it, it's almost, you know, I mean, it's taken on a much different almost uh, uh Know, like quantum leap into this sort of, you know, state of being that has a lot of parallel things going on. So value chain is a very appropriate term. What, what do you mean by value chain? Let me, let me actually just kind of have you build out on that, right? Is that something you're also hearing people, even chief supply chain officers, starting to refer to what they do as value chains versus just supply chains?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, there is a hesitancy in some organizations to refer to it as a value chain. Because they've had their hands slapped by sales and marketing because right. they own, and I'm air quoting here, they own the customer.
0: They being sales and marketing.
1: Yes. And right. value right. chain implies that supply chain, again, air quoting, owns the customer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just such an old school siloed way of looking at the way our businesses run. Amen. Yes. It's something that we all need to get beyond. Right. Um, right. You know, the, the, the example that you gave of pulling something out of the earth, doing whatever you do to it, it gets to the customer, the customer puts it back in the earth via the trash can. Um, that That is, uh, yes, it is a value chain. But what we know about that value chain right now is more through bulk numbers at each step of the way. We don't see it as this this ounce of, of copper mm-hmm. takes this trip all the way back, you know, from the earth back into the earth. We just don't, right. that's not the way we look at it. And this is, I right. think, really poking at some of the the uh, passions that you have personally around around circularity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We see instead, you know, X trillion tons gets pulled out of the earth and there are however many hundred thousand of these products and there. are So we're seeing data points. And that's, by the way, that's the way our systems of record operate too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't see things going from end to end. We Mm -hmm. see a bulk number at each step of the way. Right. And and when you talk about value chain, you're breaking down a lot of those silos and you're seeing things actually flowing through. You're seeing the value creation from uh, a, a mineral in the earth to something that is improving the lives of a customer, or a consumer, mm-hmm. and and when you can really see that, when you can string that together, there are things that we can do in supply chain that can make the customer's life better. Mm-hmm. That can make the the product that we rely on that, that pulled that gets pulled out of the earth, the minerals that you pull out of the earth, that we, where we can minimize that, where where mm-hmm. the minerals and. and Product that we put back into the earth via a, a garbage dump, where mm-hmm. we can minimize that through circular supply chain principles. Mm-hmm. Um, but until we have an end-to-end, it's not just a view; it's a mindset. Yep. Until yep. we have that end-to-end mindset, we're just going to be dealing in very uh, siloed pockets of of aggregate data that really and true, true, like they, they mean nothing they're not right. usable they're not actionable
0: right right to- to- totally with you and 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 i was just going to take exactly what you're saying you know radical agreement and now even go one step further which is you go supply chain to value chain to you know let me throw this out here too if you guys have sort of begun to explore this it, 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 the value chain actually gives way to a value network because yes. all these things need to be plugged in together they need to be inter- just just like the internet works right i mean the 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 Brilliance of Amazon, to go back to their example, is everything is connected to one network. So everything on that system, everything in that traditional supply chain or giving way to a value chain, has now become really a value network. right? Absolutely. Um, And everything is connected. right? Um, That gives the ultimate, goes back to the number one goal of transparency. By connecting everything, I can see into everything. And I can see down to the minutiae.
1: That's right. And and that also when I when I like in my mind, when you say resilience or agility, I I immediately I think of a network diagram and and I think of a path that that you know, okay, this node just got cut off. Boom, we're suddenly switching. And and these are things that that automation and technology can facilitate. So when we talk about technology, that's a big, big piece of it, is that if we have a value network or a supply network, however you want to call it, we, we've, we've tinkered around with saying supply network, but nobody, nobody gets it. We still have to say right. like the network supply chain, which is like saying two totally right. different things. Um, but right. it, the the next generation of supply chain, um, reusing the word that's not the best word um, is going to be a network that is automated uh, that has human uh, intervention when it's necessary to ultimately optimize the way that the network flows to set up and, and, and optimize the systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going mm-hmm. to be uh, transparent, resilient, uh, efficient, and, and sustainable. Um, but there's a long right. way we right. have to go to get there.
0: So, 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 so you, you got me thinking a little bit too here and I've, you know, I've obviously sat in on a couple of visibility council calls I you for a while I start to think a little bit, as you're talking about that, it feels to me what we're actually talking about is, again, another objective of the supply chain community is to prepare the supply chain professionals of the future through an education path that deconstructs this world of supply chain and builds these people up in a world of value networks, right? So if I went out and looked at the top supply chain organizations at the University of you know, Arkansas or North Carolina or Dan Stanton, obviously, as we all know, you know who's a huge advocate in the teaching world, um, maybe those are the people that you need to sort of enlist to say, okay, what's your curriculum look like? Because if I look out 10 to 20 years, to the, next, you know, the next chief supply chain officer is coming out of your graduate program in, you know, 20 years from now, but they're graduating now or they're going through school now now is the time to start to get them to think about the differences of here's supply chain 1.0, here's supply chain 1.5, which is the value network giving way to, or the value chain to giving way to the value network of, you know, whatever you want to call that 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's another piece that Visibility Council can, you know, kind of go in that direction.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I love, you were part of the conversation yesterday. I mean, yesterday we had some of the leading experts on supply chain talent in the world coming and talking to us. And, and then of course we, as always are, are in, you know, all the members are involved in the conversation and then we break out into conversations to continue. But it, it was really fascinating to hear, you know, the, the evolution of talent that's required to manage a supply network of the future, a digitally enabled data driven supply network versus what we're doing today and what we did yesterday. That There's, always going to have to be like table stakes for a supply chain executive. You have to be a tactical genius. You have to be a problem solver and you have to be a leader. Um, and there are other things I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, to cheapen the, the function, but now you have to find this, like this uh, utility player who is, is just amazingly versed in those things, but also who has the ability to lead uh, and, and influence others in the supply chain. People who are not, uh, Working for us, people who don't mm-hmm. operate within our four walls. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to be a charismatic and and, and engaging leader within our supply network. Um, you have to be a digitally fluent. You have to be great yep. with digital. You have to be uh, be able to 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 analyze data and 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 you know you 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 almost are looking for like a data scientist who's a charismatic leader who has this tactical genius who is also, by the way, an amazing storyteller and, and a disruptor, right. a challenger to the ways that we've always done things. Where are you gonna find that? Right. I mean, you right. get people right, right out of college who might be your your digital natives who are great with digital stuff. Well, they might not have the experience. No, I not what am I saying? They will definitely not have the experience <laughs> right. Right, to be able to be that tactical genius to figure out how to get a product from point A to point B despite a, a hurricane, an earthquake, or wildfires and a volcano. Uh, and a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, who won't be leaders. You get the people who are established leaders and, and who have done all this stuff. Are they going to be as good with the digital and data part? Are they going to be the challengers? Mm-hmm. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's a really, really, th- that is, uh, I think, the biggest question that we have to ask going forward. And, and this was, by the way, this is the same thing as I was working with chief strategy officers at World 50. It all comes down to talent. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't yep, matter uh, absolutely what your 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 product is or what your industry is. You have to have talent that is 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 not only uh, good at the the hard tasks of of you know doing the job, but also you have to have people who now are are everybody's got to be a data scientist in their own right, right? Everybody's got to be mm-hmm. digital. Everybody's yep. got to be. Uh, a challenger and a disruptor, and and these are really hard things mm-hmm. to find. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's hard enough to find that in any executive level position, uh, much less you know in the supply chain world. So, uh, as always, conversations fly by. Hours almost nearly up, which is astounding, but I never surprised, uh, especially with us on the phone. But I do want to kind of just you know be conscious of time and also kind of wind down a little bit and think a little bit. So you know the Visibility Council uh, again just had a great PR announcement. You guys announced kind of the formation. It's almost like you kind of had your you know I don't want to say public announcement, but you're more public about what you're doing, right? Um, uh, clearly with the first press release, or maybe that was your second. I'm not sure, but you know it seemed it was a fairly big one. What do you see over the next year or two for the Visibility Council? What's kind of coming up for this group, right? I mean, it's, it's, you, you really have, you're, you're at, it's almost like you just hit the starting line with it, right? You've, the last couple of years is the forming and storming, and now you've got it going. I mean, they're going to start producing some stuff. So what is the Visibility Council? What's the output going to look like over the next year or two?
1: Yeah, so we're going to focus on a few foundational projects to launch our studio program, getting some of the folks, the high potentials that I mentioned earlier, engaged, involved, and really delivering. Uh, at the same time, uh, we've really been focused on building our practitioner lists. Uh, so the folks who are working for the big supply chain organizations, chief supply chain officers, um, we're really going to start building out the ecosystem of technology providers and, and innovators. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Again, trying to, to mm-hmm. maintain a ratio of somewhere around 70% practitioner and 30% split between uh, innovators, technologists, investors, and thought leaders. But that's an area we're really going to grow into, and then as I see it, you know, we uh, I I don't want to be too prescriptive with the future because I think that you know we are uh, really allowing our members to help take us into the future and to figure out what the gaps in their world are. But uh, you know, I I see a real opportunity here to identify gaps in the Mm -hmm. current market uh, Mm -hmm. and, and to help the industry to to, to cover those gaps and whether yep. that is acting as a venture studio in some cases, whether that's allowing our membership to incubate, uh, existing solutions that may just need that last, that, you know, that, that last 5% that takes forever to, to perfect. Right. Um, right. At, at the same time building talent, uh, at the same time recognizing the things that are already out there, you know, getting our members to that innovation frontier, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then ultimately pushing that innovation frontier out through, like I said, gap analysis and anything that we can do using the leverage, the insights, the perspectives and the expertise of, of our members.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, I, you know, as always credible conversation, I know, uh, I, I was looking forward to this and I think, I think what you are doing, you as a person, Ben, and then also what the Visibility Council is doing, what you produce there is you know, not just timely, but it is, you know, it's, it, it, it already has had an effect, I think, by bringing people together to talk about these things. But it's going to have an impact, right? And I think you're going to see more of what you guys are doing. You're going to get more visibility going out there. Uh, no pun intended or maybe there is um about the visibility council and what you guys you know but the, the you know the world is talking about supply chains right now we've been affected we've been materially affected our supply chains have been disrupted right um you know no matter how you look at it across the board and will continue to be and that it is the time now right um and, and, and I go back to your you know you are a charismatic person to begin with but you know these people wouldn't have chosen to be a part of something like this if they didn't think there was a, a real reason. And I'm talking there's some really heavy people that you have got involved, right? They would they their their time is precious and they've chosen to spend time at the visibility council, which means you know you're 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 asking the right questions of the right people right now. Um, and it's awesome. So it's really looking forward to seeing how it develops earlier. So thank you for spending time with us today.
1: Well thank you for having me Richard and uh it's been a pleasure. It's always awesome to always. have a conversation with you. And I can't believe the hour's already gone. Right. <laughs>
0: always happens that way. All right, man. Thank you,
1: thank you, thank you. Thanks, Richard. This is Richard Donaldson. Thanks for listening.
0: If you have any comments about the episode or topics in supply chain you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at supplychainnext at com. And while you're at it, why not check out the Request platform at supplychain.requis.com. Requis allows you to manage the full asset lifecycle in the cloud, collaborating with your entire value network to buy, manage and sell your assets. Find out more at www.requis.com.